What's up, Internet Gremlins? Uh, the GM over to the encounter killed all the players. Everyone got mad. They all did shots and left. So session got canceled. I uh, wish I could do shots whenever something I didn't like happened. In the <laughs> <game>. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you guys ever hear the cool stories of people like having funerals for characters and like burning their burning like the character sheets on like like firewood and shit? <laughs> no, I've never done that. I've never done a funeral pyre that's for my so characters. Sadly, that's I it's, it sounds exactly like honest. it's like anytime a character dies, they're like, "All right, guys, Viking funeral. Let's all go out in the yard, get some brews, fucking burn the character sheet." Oh my god! Here's your half and rogue. Here's your half and rogue. My favorite fucking bit. I, I still love that. Uh, fantastic. So, so we are gathered here today with Tizai. Josh, tis also Matt. Tis. Tis also Isaiah. What's up? And tis also Sam. Hey. Hey. Ah. <laughs> I, yes. I, I, I just thought of the what's up? I don't know why. What's up? Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> uh, Fuck. So. <laughs> I bet you're wondering why I've gathered you all here today. No, this, this, this is the usual time, the usual place. Mm. Happens to be the hot spot right now. All right, listen, yeah. pal. Just hit the Helsing bridge. Wow. Just kill all the fun. Put the fun in camps, why don't you? Yeah, you fun Nazi. Well, anyway, we're just going to slide past that one. What? Uh, <laughs> Come on. It's not like it's my joke. You can blame Team Forest. That's true. That's true. I'm blaming them um, for a lot of things. As is, as is the usual nature with when topic ideas hit me. We had a session. Not so long ago, and I had a thought. I had a realization. I had an epiphany, if you will, for running the game. And I thought, well, this shan't be ignored. I don't. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I can't keep talk. Going. I can't yeah. talk right uh-huh. This is impressive. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I realized. I realized a couple of uh, interesting things from the fight that my players had with an ancient sapphire shadow dragon. And there was a couple of little things that happened that's that sparked some thinking. And so I wanted I wanted once a little, you know, sit around the old campfires with the brewskis and discuss making, you know, your your combat, your tactical combat game more interesting. And I know lots of people have talked this this subject to death, but I feel like there's a couple of parts, there's a couple of points that I realized that I don't personally hear very often. Now, I may be off base with this and that I just am not, you know, I don't know, in the wrong corners of the internet or whatever. But I feel like I had a couple of revelations that are not commonly talked about. So, you know, that's where we're at tactical combat and i specified tech i originally was like originally my brain was like yeah you know grid based combat game it doesn't necessarily have like the grid part is not really the most important thing here so that's why i'm just using the phrase tactical combat stuff uh because you know not every game uses a grid shocker i know uh crazy wild bug wild um 
I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a little experiment because I want to see if yeah. any of you guys are going to say any of the things that are in my brain. We're going we're gonna to go down the list real quick. And I'm just curious what you think is the thing. What do you think is like if you had to pick one thing? Obviously, there's more than one. But if you had to pick one thing to really spruce up your sort of turn-based tactical combat game in an RPG, what's the one thing you you would really really zone in on? What do you think is the most important? Whoever wants to go first. Weapon first. tags. Are you are you shit posting or is that your actual? Answer? No, I'm being so serious. I think weapon tags and okay. like the fact Ext- that we- like extrapolate weapons doing that things. point. Uh, so as as you all may have seen, one D and D's nuts just got its new uh, equipment rules, and now all the weapons have their own like mastery abilities. And a good example of this is I can't remember which one it is. I think it's the the Great Club has one where it can knock you five or fifteen feet back, whatever. It can knock you backwards. I think it's ten. Uh. So the idea of like, you can very easily with that ability start setting up some really uh, intricate like tactical positioning by, for example, knocking someone into a a kill box, right? Like the wizard be like, oh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna hold my action to cast fireball. When the barbarian knocks him into the spot, I'm gonna drop it on him that way. No one, none of our uh, allies get hit in the blast. Stuff like that. So. so really you're talking it's less about the weapon tag so much as like a battlefield manipulation abilities yeah like another good one i like mm-hmm. is uh the rapiers have an ability called vex yeah which basically just lets you do or no no not that no wrong one the great sword has one that basically just lets you do chip damage that's oh, really that's good crazy. at forcing yeah yeah it, it's really that would be really interesting for for forcing the tanks to cycle into the back line for a few like rounds or maybe a few hits just to like make sure they can hold up for the next round you very you, it, it becomes very fire emblem-esque you know it's funny your, you your mentioned, literal positioning will matter a lot more than it used to it's funny you mentioned that particular one because when i saw uh the the grays thing i was like oh this mechanic has existed for years in stars without number and it's called shock damage and yeah i don't why was this not a thing? Probably should have just had this. This was in there before, but you know, like, well, so they they did have that um, of some sort of like chip damage mechanic. I believe it was a magic item that did it. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure it mm-hmm. still exists to this day. Uh, I just don't remember exactly what it is. It's 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 a tough balance you have to rock, right? Because if it's oh, it can be annoying for sure. So you know, I remember in in my first game. Uh, with Cardell, like the first 20 odd sessions, their chip damage just was a thing and there was no rhyme or reason to it. Like we couldn't really understand what the math was. And that's, you know, partly that's partially what made it so frustrating, but it was just being like, oh, okay. So that, that, you know, I have a, my AC is 12 cause I'm a wizard. Uh, and you know, every miss counts for me cause I'm a wizard. So then the attack missed, and I still took six damage. Well, I'm a wizard, so that's half my health bar. Even though the attack yeah, missed. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, you gotta, it's a delicate thing. You definitely don't want your, your like, graze and or chip damage to be, you know, too much for that reason. Um, and yes, if the math is not clear, it can be annoying. It's pretty straight. In in Stars Without Number, and, and by extension, Worlds Without Number, um, weapons just have a shock damage value so like the weapon determines how much shock damage it does when you attack an opponent 
um, mm. which D&D it's not doing exactly that, but you know, D&D it's just your um, your stat modifier. I guess your strength, strength and or dex modifier determines that amount. <sighs> um, I had another thought, but I lost it, so matter, Sam, go ahead. Uh... So I'm 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 with making combat more interesting by making you know the weapons more interesting. I also think that a huge problem this is particularly for people who don't like end up putting a lot of effort into the maps, uh, whether it's digitally because I mean you're working with a digital map or you know because you're making up a map on the fly because you didn't expect your players to go into this area whether you're digital or over in person uh maps are like really interesting when you can actually tell the terrain and make a plan around them a lot of the time it's just hey here's a room it looks slightly different i promise that it actually has different terrain but like you can't you can't really tell that uh because you know i mean at least digitally it's like cool i'm looking at a map i i understand but literally it's not much different than you know oh hey here's a room we're gonna stand in this uh five by five area um you know these these 25 squares are pretty much where combat's gonna take place <laughs> that's it like that that's just how it goes so you know i i definitely find that map design can help with that obviously it depends on a lot of things because you know you can you can only do so much on a digital format like you know, roll 20. I, I, I haven't yeah, the, used any other. The, the ever elusive Z dimension when fucking roll 20 maps and you're like, God damn it. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you, you have, you know, you have your X, Y's, but you don't have the actual height and you're like, okay, cool. Um, cool. Thank, thank you for yeah, I mean, you you, know, you having can do have that height, conversation. You just have to mentally keep track of it. Mm hmm. Yeah. On roll 20, they, they do make it easy where you have to buy them, uh, but there's these little token uh, status symbols you can have on character tokens. Yeah, yeah, some people make tokens the, and they have the ones that have ones. different... Yeah, yeah. I bought that's, a pack and, and, it, and it's helped out so fucking much. Yeah, yeah, especially with uh, two characters that... No, one character that can fly. Man, all I'm I hearing guess. is pay to win. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's five bucks, so... so I yeah, that's that's <laughs> though that's community that's community members specifically making art for that purpose. Um, mm -hmm. I, I do feel like they should add like, you know, when you click on the tokens in Roll20 and there's three bubbles, I do feel like they should add a di a, uh, a fourth bubble dedicated to elevation. I feel like that would be useful. Uh, yeah, even if it's cool. like a little like a little marker next to the, the token that's like yeah. 15 feet up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Matt, yes. where do you fall on this? Or what's like, what's the thing? If you have to pick one thing that you feel like is the most important thing to spice up the old tactical combat. Uh, this is weird. I get it's for me because like when I, like when I when I think about combat, I mostly it's, it's like again, I'm, hi me Matt, I, the, the 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 narrative dude. It's all mostly the story and picking the right type of obstacles for the players. So like you're not gonna throw a troll at a, at the players if they're on the fire plane. Yeah, you know, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know fire troll. Matt Matt out here fire dodging troll. the question. I know right. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. That wasn't the question. <laughs> yeah, but uh no, because well, I mean, like well, the original question, and then you you switched it. No, no, the question is if you wanna you wanna if you wanna make your sort of tact like if you're 
if you're using, you know, your, your usual D&D tactical style combat, what's the one thing you focus on to spice up the combat? You know, what's the, oh, I thought, the, the, I thought the original thing was what was the most important thing to you? Yeah, yeah, but specifically within that what, bubble, within the bubble of making the combat more tactically and more like more interesting and more engaging. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll I'll focus on creatures then because Samurai kind of got environment. Like, I think environment is very important, but I you guess can I'll say pick. the same answer. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll say, yeah. No, nah, well, I'll, I'll choose some. I think, uh, again, the, the right type of creatures, right type of creatures can make any kind of encounter a slog or they can make them fun as fuck. So I, I think whatever variety, depending okay. on what game you're playing, Cyberpunk, you know, picking the right type of, uh, you know. What are they even called? I forgot what they're called in Cyberpunk, the enemies. Like the, oh, yeah. the, you know, the, I don't what you, whatever you fit. I'm goons. so fucking goons. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my, my yeah random corporal goons. Yeah, not, corporal not, goons. Not yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, but I think picking, I think creatures uh, definitely help out. I, I like, I, especially if you're like trying to be like more tactical. So like, you know, oh, do you have some like appropriate answer for any type of game? Honestly. Yeah. Cause like you can, you can do the basic, like, uh, I just got to throw one big guy. And it's like, all right, what about, you know, you have like, I'm going to use a lot of fourth edition, you know, verbiage. You got a brute and it's like, oh, okay, you got a brute. Wouldn't it be cool if you had some artillery guys like shooting bows in the background? Your players have to deal with getting like fucking pot shotted while they're dealing with this giant ogre or some shit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So none of you got none of none of you guys got as specific. Well, Isaiah got kind of close, but none of you guys got as specific as I was as I was getting at. So this so we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna nail down even further. Mm. Um, but I did want to start with I did want to I did want to start with the map thing because everybody brings this up, right? Mm-hmm. If you go online and you do the Googlers and you say how make five E combat fun question mark. You'll see lots and lots of videos of people being like, it's all about the environment. You got to have a cool environment. You got to have environmental hazards, environment, blah, blah, blah. You know, my player. Actually, I, I told you guys I did that survey. That was like a big thing that one of my players really wants more into the game. He's so, like, hey, can you throw yeah. environmental combat like like hazards at us like more? I'm like, all right, sure. That kind of so let's let's use Let's let's get into that one a little bit because having the nice pretty map and having a kind of uh, interesting area to fight in. Sure. That's all well and good. However, I feel like that is only a small initial step into really getting into the meat and potatoes because it doesn't. Even if you have a super sexy map or you have like a really cool like area the characters are fighting in that's only gonna carry you so far you know because at the end of the day if you have a really cool map but none of the characters or enemies have any reason to move around or have any reason to cause something to change or have a reason to interact with the map then it kind of just becomes a, a pretty picture on the table you know uh, or in some cases a a, a sort of uh, a quickly drawn <laughs> grid grid map thingy yeah. you know, like I said you know, a lot of the um, time maps just end up being this is the area that we fight in yeah. it's pretty that's, that's, that's it, it. That, that's yeah. all you get so the thing like and, and for sure the map can influence the situation right if there's 
if the players are on one side of a really long, you know, if the map is like 300 feet across and the players are on one side of the of a ravine and the only way to get across is over this bridge and then there's enemies firing at them from the other side. Obviously, the map is an aspect that you have to deal with in that scenario because it's like, okay, well, we can only move like 60 some odd feet around. We don't we only have the one way path through. How are we going to deal with this problem? Then someone goes, well, I could cast fly, but if they hit me, I might break concentration while you're over the pit, blah, blah, blah. You know, that kind of thing absolutely can make things interesting but you can also just have yeah like sam said you can also just have ooh pretty landscape but also my character's not gonna move i'm just gonna stand here and hit dudes anyway so the pretty landscape is fucking irrelevant Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think a lot of people suggest having like a cool or interesting like a pretty map or a cool area to fight in you know an interesting area to fight in as like that's the key if you have like a really interesting area to fight like that's the fucking secret i feel like people overblow the value of that a little bit like it's not irrelevant like i'm not gonna say like it doesn't matter because obviously if your characters are just fighting in an empty white square box that's you know (laughs) not great (laughs) but i do feel like a lot of people because I've, I've seen so many videos where they're like, oh, yeah, the, the terrain, the map. And I'm like, I feel like it gets overvalued so much to the point that I feel like it kind of overshadows some other things I think you can focus on. And Matt was kind of getting at it with the monsters a little bit. There's, there's a little there's a, there's a nugget there. Um, and And actually, also what Isaiah was saying of like forcing moving around, there's also like. Because, you know, you could you don't need a fancy, pretty map to, like, cause people to move around or something. Right. You just need a purpose. They just need a reason to move around or be forced to move around or whatever it is. It doesn't matter necessarily what the area around them is. If they have a different reason, like it could be a big, empty cave still. Uh, yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> That's why uh, I lost that last I sentence. Forgot. No, no, you're good. Uh, that's why <laughs> I, I think the when the Wild Mount book came out, yeah. so many people were nutting over the two wizard subclasses. Nut. Because one was obviously the time wizard fucking. It's like, what if Divination Wizard was on crack? Mm. Like, okay. But the Graviturge was basically, I get to play with the battle map now, DM. Yes. He's <laughs> just like, uh-huh. oh, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because Graviturge is. If you, if you you know if you want to play with meta, it is definitely not as good as Chronogist, but it's the one that I was like, mm, that's the cooler one. <laughs> yeah, same. Like I think all a lot the spells of are very thematic. It, it's basically it like a control. It, it basically I'm moving pieces on the board. I'm throwing a spell that sucks the enemies closer to mm. the fighter, or suck, I'm suck. teleporting players on the map. Or, no yeah no for sure i i absolutely i had a similar thought looking at the gravitar just but i was like yeah no this is definitely the more interesting of the two um but it definitely needs you do you need those wild mount spells although like just just using the gravitar just without right right. any of those gravitar just spells not the same not a good time no yeah i i just i i feel i feel like i need to address the maps Everybody really loves to talk about cool maps. And I'm like, absolutely. But there's more to it than that, you know? There's much more Mm -hmm. going on here. I think it's also worth pointing out, I've noticed that there's a bit of a trend online 
of people making visually appealing maps mm. that are not usable maps. Of course not. This is a huge issue I've noticed where like I'll yeah. see a map and I'll be like, this looks really cool. I don't understand how the characters are supposed to move through this space. You know what I mean? Uh, like there's yeah. it's not clear where can they stand, where can they it's, not, what's the path, et cetera, et cetera. It is absolutely a problem when I look for maps. Yeah. Uh, like it's just you know, nothing against the people who make maps. Like, you fucking... Like, they look cool. Good, Yeah, they look great. They're, 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 they'd like, be good. They're good, like, splash art. <laughs> yeah, at, like, uh, one one particular one that comes to mind is in um, uh, Avernus. Like, they'll have um, the, like, ship that you're not supposed to ever go to. Right. Um but like it exists and you're able to look at it and like they'll they'll make maps for that and then it's like okay cool that that could be an interesting twist i could use this and then it's like how the fuck am i supposed to have my players use this map this map is either too big or shit's just in places too big or too many things in the way or not enough space to like move around Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. i've been watching uh a certain uh what they call d20 or something roll roll d20 on uh on YouTube and they just they do a bunch of like you know let's plays and shit the guys in Mad Men for, for hmm? not Dimension to mention 20? 20 not to mention 20 it's called like D20 roll or something but they do a lot of like you know D&D module like playthroughs but in the Adventure League style what, what he does is he'll just make a gargantuan gigantic map have every map that he's going to use that session on the one fucking board and then just move the players to that one map he's going to use, reveal the area, instead of just having each map be its own individual map, like you can do on Roll Twenty. And I'm that's, like, there's a part of me that's like, that sound that, like, sounds like it might work, but also, what the fuck? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Think I don't think Roll that's a good idea just by virtue of Roll Twenty is not going to run very well. You, you have such a, a gigantic map, all yeah. the tokens, like, yeah. Interesting. I mean, I, I don't know. I I kind of I kind of like the idea, right? Like, if if the the maps that we had in Strahd, where they were like cordoned off into the floors for each, like each corner of the map is a different floor. I think you could get some really cool shit going on there with like a, you know, it's 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 that scene in every like action movie where the characters are all fighting their different fights in the same space. Right, so like if, if you're in like a saloon, people are fighting up on the balconies and then it, like the camera cuts down and it's people at the bottom floor like fighting the goons off and then it's someone outside doing like a shootout, shit like that. Yes, if Roll20 can handle it. That, yeah, would, that would be my primary concern. I think Roll20 would have a hard time with that much shit going on. It may, yeah. Which would, which would drastically like dampen my joy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yes, no, there's there's a cool there, for sure. But also, you don't need to have it all on one page to do that because you can have characters on separate pages in Roll20. You know, like you can have one player be on page four and one player be on page two. Like you could do that already. Oh, yeah, I know. So, I didn't know you could do that. Oh, yeah, I you can do that. You can split how the viewership goes. Yes. If you if you I believe if you hold alt and then click on their name. Uh, you know how you have the little name th- uh, name things across the bottom of the screen? Hold on, I'm, I'm literally opening Roll20 right the fuck now. What yeah, yeah. are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, you can hold Alt <laughs> and you can click and drag. You know how there's the little player ribbon over the thing, over the map page? 
You yeah. can click and drag an individual player and place them on a different page. I'm gonna. Have, oh my. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna remember how to do this, so you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna have to re-explain this to me on another day. I, but like, you just so like, you know their names. You know how you have their names across the bottom. Yeah, yeah of course. You hold Alt and just drag that name to whatever player, whatever page you want them to be on. That's wild. My mind's been fucking blown, dude. And then if you want to merge <laughs> them back with everyone else, you just left click and drag them over the big red player flag. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. That shit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, that would have been so cool. I, uh, listen, listen. If you need roll twenty yeah. tricks, I know. I, I know Damn pretty it. much all of them. <laughs> God, I just I have to fucking. I was trying uh, a few weeks back, and I was trying to figure out the dynamic lighting, and I was like, I have this one very specific question, and then Matt sent me a thirty-minute fucking tutorial, and I was like, why? Why are tutorials all like this? Why are they jumongous? I just need the answer to my one tiny specific you question. Just asked. You should have just asked. I did, and me. I was like, oh, I, yeah, well, you weren't there. And like, I was really thankful because I, I did like find it in the video, but I was I was fucking ranting to Matt for like 20 minutes being like, God damn it. Why are they all so damn long? <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, all right. So we've, we've gone on and on about the map situation. But like I said, if you do the googly googly gox, you know, the map shit is going to be the first mm -hmm. thing you fucking find on YouTube nine times out of ten. So that that subject's been beat to death. You want more? You want any more information on utilizing maps or whatever? Go somewhere else. So the first one I really, the first point I want to hit that uh, came from our session with the fighting the ancient sapphire dragon, uh, and we've talked about this before, is off turn movement and actions. Hmm. Specifically, having the enemy doing off-turn movements and actions. Because a huge part, and the reason I really thought about this, is a big part that kind of, that for at least on my end of the table, made the, the ancient Sapphire Dragon fight particularly interesting, was that he could teleport 60 feet away, both on his turn as a bonus action, and also as a legendary action on someone else's turn. Bro, teleporting for some reason is a thing players hate. I, I told you guys about the uh, the one Archdevil my players fought at level like 19. No, every layer, every time. Legendary action. It. Oh, he's going to teleport uh, yeah. 120 feet away. Our yep. players are like, fucking no! See, that's the thing, Matt. It disrupts, it disrupts. everything that they've... Yes. Yep. It disrupts everything that they've thought about. And that, yep. that uh -huh. like... So the reason why that is frustrating to players is because you don't experience that at lower levels. You go through most of the game True. before interacting with anything that can do that. Because, True. You know, it is a little bit of a actions, shock when it happens. Yeah, it, especially because you're like you're high level. You're like, oh, I can pre prepare an action to do this. It, no, you, you can't. Like the yeah. guy teleports away. You, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I, I had. Uh, actually, I'm using Josh the huh? uh, Draconian Mastermind in my game a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah, yeah. And as he was getting his ass kicked, he's like, he's gonna Dimension Door. All my yep. players are yep. level four, so like that's it. As soon as they hit level five, Matt, everyone <laughs> were grabbing counter spell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, but we ain't having the, this. <laughs> it absolutely can be. It totally can be a, like a player frustration. And and honestly, even in, in my session, I do remember I, both Isaiah and Sam getting annoyed because the dragon kept teleporting around. But doesn't help when you can't fly. It doesn't help when you can't fly. It's true. But the 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 by having uh, the enemy be able to do shit not on their turn, it it shakes it up so that rounds don't get monotonous. That's the big thing, right? It makes things interesting because things change up on a round by round basis because the enemy is able to do shit on the fly. And the fact that they can move around and do other actions, it disrupts plans and disrupting plans means that you can't just do the same thing over and over. Because often what ends up happening, you know, particularly once in like the five to ten D&D range, definitely big, big thing where you have your like strats that the party uses and you get into your you know your mmo rotation and there's very little that disrupts that Mm -hmm. so you could just keep doing it and so it gets kind of monotonous because you're like well we know what we're gonna do we're just gonna keep doing it why would we do anything else we have our strat figured but suddenly if the enemy is doing shit that disrupts that on his t- like on, on your turn or on someone else's turn outside of the usual that turn economy it shakes the whole situation up and you know a little player frustrations all right <laughs> as long as you don't do it too much yeah it, it really depends on how it's how it's fed to you because like uh i like one of the things that will for always fucking infuriate me is zombies in 5e very Ugh. specifically at lower level at higher level you know they'll make their undead fortitude save and you're like ah damn it all right i'll get him next time but when you're at really low level and you just can't do enough damage to kill the zombie it is not nerve-wracking it's just annoying you're just like oh cool i'm just gonna waste these actions hitting the zombie not fucking kill it congrats oh look at that i'm dead you know like god that shit's annoying i think that ties in really well with what we talked about um with my last episode horror like there's a very clear difference between making something stressful and making something just kind of frustrating um and you know you end up really like hurting your players sometimes and i I don't mean in like oh i I hurt their character kind of way i mean like you just kind of make them mad (laughs) and like i i don't think making someone mad is the way to go when you're like yeah combat you know um uh, fuck a McGee over here you know he's gonna uh he's gonna counterspell everything that you've done did, uh, did you say that he has spell slots incorrect he has innate spell casting fuck you <laughs> like, like unlimited <laughs> uses for, yeah exactly that's 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 less stressful and more well now we have to if we want to do anything we have to burn a reaction every fucking turn it's, you, know um, what it, you know what it is? It's that the, the, the fucking gif of the cat that just leans its head back and starts screaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, every monster now, guys, I'm giving the Misty Step. Even the skeletons, especially the skeletons. Especially the skeletons. The zombies undead fortitude ability doesn't really bother them that, that much. Just because statistically, it's so unlike they'll probably at lower levels they'll probably survive it two times at most you know like because they only come back with the one hp so as soon as you hit them again they have to make the check again if it's Mm. pretty unlikely that they make it 
like over and over and over again. That's that's fairly low chance. And then at high levels, you're hitting them for so much damage. They're almost certainly not going to make it. Well, so, it, so they don't bother me that much. It it really depends on the number of zombies. Like if if there's let's say you have a party of five and there's two zombies. There's a not insignificant chance that your like level three party will wail on those two zombies for four turns and not kill them. I'm speaking from experience. This has fucking happened. Uh, I don't. I mean, two zombies, they both they I feel like usually they still survive at least one undead fortitude check and then maybe a second one. It's like that's not that much wailing on them. You know what I mean? Like, it's not it's not like they're staying up for six rounds in a row or anything like that, unless you get really unlucky, which I mean, possible, but you can unlikely. Technically possible, but very unlikely. I've never seen them survive that many. Like, I've never seen them survive so long to the point where it's like, all right, this is like absurd, you know? Also, Uh, is there a way to circumvent it so that they does a certain damage type? If they take radiant damage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Uh, the only reason I know that is because it happened a couple games ago where uh, our radiant soul monk Every time the zombies were coming back up, she's just like, oh, I should probably blast those guys and just fucking Vegeta energy bolts. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> stay yeah. Down. So it's unless they take da- radiant damage or from a critical hit. So a crit can also uh, negate it, which, yeah, I mean, that checks out. Yeah, I don't know. That that, that one don't bother me. Fair enough. Teach on. That being said, if there's like. If there's like 10 plus zombies it can start to get annoying in that scenario. Well, that's that's something else I said. Though, right? I like, saying, like, if yeah. you have a bunch of zombies at low level, you're like, fuck. Two zombies is doable. That's like, a, like that's, a that's lot. The, that's the yeah. good mix of challenging and like, it's a little frustrating because you're like, you're doing the, the Vegeta, why screaming, why won't you die? Um, but it's doable. But if you've got, if you're like low level and you've got like six or seven zombies, you're like, all right, go cool guys. I'll just see y'all later. Because uh, we're not killed. We're not winning. So I'll just see y'all. <laughs> I mean, we you'll may, probably I, uh, win. They don't. <laughs> Zombies aren't super dangerous, TBH. But it's not. It's, it's not like it's like a TPK or anything like that. Um. But that is not. Well, that's sort of an off-turn action, sort of, kinda. Um. But yeah, the the idea of, of legendary actions or something similar to it is, you know, and it doesn't just have to be teleporting or anything like that really it just it anything that can sort of disrupt the usual flow of things i think is almost always a pretty like fun idea obviously you don't want it to be so disruptive that like everything grinds to a halt because that's the opposite effect of what you're trying to do you don't want it ending to be like all right legendary action uh reverse gravity except for himself everyone's like (laughs) yeah it's like you want to yeah you want it like you want it to be able to give the bad guy an advantage but not just completely shut the whole situation down or if they do shut this whole situation down you know make it like fairly temporary right like a turn or two or whatever not you know not forever or whatever um you know because i i've said this before a big part of like what makes bosses and stuff in in a lot of video games dangerous is the fact that 
you have to respect what the boss is doing. You can't just beat the shit out of them and ignore all of their cool powers. You know, I, I always use the Dark Souls example because it's the easiest one. But like, you can't just run up to the boss and hit them a whole bunch and stun lock them so they don't get to do anything. Part of what makes them a dangerous boss is you have to deal what they are going to do in response to you. And there's no way to get around it. So, so you're saying I, I grinded for this moon veil for nothing? God damn it. <laughs> yes. Oh, so it's like the tabletop equivalent of that is having the boss do shit on the player's turns, right? Because if you keep it strictly turn based, then the boss can't do anything in response to what you're doing because it's not his turn. But that's where legendary actions come in. That lets them do shit on not their turn. So you can slap them around a little bit and then all of a sudden they can slap you back or, you know, teleport away or, you know, hit you with a big wing flap and send you flying 30 feet or whatever, you know, shit like that. Mm, Yinigu. <laughs> yeah, <you>. like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just Yinigu that shit and just smack him real hard. You know, like that kind of stuff is really what and and quite frankly, that was one of the things that made the Yinigu fight a pain in the ass and actually dangerous mm-hmm. is because we were getting slapped in all sorts of directions. Yeah. And he was just like smack, 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 stun, confusion, smack, smack, smack. <laughs> And you can only do it to one player too, which makes it less frustrating. Right, um, right. It's not so that's it's not yeah, it's not so overpowering that it shuts down the whole fight. Like yeah. the fact that the dragon, the ancient sapphire dragon, could teleport sixty feet away is annoying, but it's not so far away that he can just ignore everything that you could potentially do to him. You know what I mean? It's not two hundred feet away or some shit. And also he has to get closer to hit you in the first place. Which is sort of that balancing act of the whole thing. Um. Yeah, basically legendary actions. This is real good stuff. As one of my favorite things in Five E is legendary <laughs> actions. Even creatures with extra reactions also reactions helps. too. Like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Marilith with uh, six reactions, one per arm. Harry, fucking great. Mm. Yeah, that can be a fun one too. Yeah. yeah and as or- much as I complain about the new Vecna stat block. I do love the fact that he's got just yeah, he's just got you know millions, zillion reactions zillion and you know, reaction all options. that, and you're yeah. like fucking goddamn. <laughs> yeah, even shit like even basic shit like oh, when this enemy, when this monster is attacked, they can attack back in response with their reaction. Like that's good for like lower level enemies that are still like oh shit, like these guys are more dangerous than normal because just because it's my turn doesn't mean I'm safe. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a big part of it. Like, oh, my turn is not because normally your turn, you're 100 percent safe. You're like, nothing's mm-hmm. going to happen to me on my turn. But if you start throwing in legendary actions or weird reaction abilities, all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I have to consider that. And then there are also creatures that have like auras or yeah. like an effect where if you hit them, you it you know, you suffer consequences of something. Right. Like, I think it's is- what the Venom Troll. Where it's like, if you deal damage to it or slashing damage, you get burned for acid damage for every hit. Yeah, because he's covered in acid. Pimples. What's the the, the ice toad? There's, I guess, way before the the Tyranny of Dragons bundle book, Horde of the Dragon Queen, the number one encounter that kept killing people was this. It's like a CR3 creature. It's called an ice toad. It just had this cold aura around it and just murdered parties. And everyone complained about it. And I think... I don't know if they got rid of the encounter or they changed it, but I think in the newer updated version of Tyranny Dragons, they, they tweaked it mm-hmm. or they fixed the encounter. So maybe there's not as many of the ice frogs. <laughs> I don't I know. Don't know. 
I'm not familiar with that particular example, but it's not. It sounds like something that would happen. I mean, the, the, the crux of all those examples you just mentioned, though, Matt, is the fact that those abilities disrupt the players mm -hmm. like plans and the players have no choice but to respect what the bad guy can do. Like, you can't ignore the aura. You can't ignore their their reaction abilities. Like, you have to consider it and deal with it. As opposed to beating up on a skeleton where you could just, like, dunk on that nerd and then move on with your day and you don't have to, like, give a shit about what he can or can't do. <laughs> Fucking skelly boys. Skelly boys. Skelly boys. This has nothing to do with anything, but uh, I've been playing a lot of Tiny Tina's uh, with my buddy and all the skeleton enemies are they're just doing a Skeletor voice. Nice. It's so hilarious. I like, yeah, my one weakness. Dang, it. he man. You know, like, ah, fuck. Love this guy. All skeletons are Skeletor. Confirmed. Yeah, <laughs> this is so great. I like it. I approve. I, like it. I do. I do approve of this. <laughs> If your skeleton doesn't say rattle them boys at the start of every boys. combat, then I, I can't help you. Sorry. We just can't be friends. Oh, I missed him. Rattle them boys. Oh, did I also, did I tell you guys that uh, in the Ice Window game, huh? because I was doing the Lich Warlock thing, uh -huh. every time I went into my uh, form of dread, I turned like my, I had the skeleton face, so I kept just doing the Skeletor voice. <laughs> like I, when I went from like normal, just like knockoff fantasy English voice to yeah, face me, Eldritch Blast, and my players, my I, friends were like, "What the fuck?" <sighs> like Matt, what's wrong with your character? <laughs> I, I can, I can perfectly picture you doing it too, and I, I, I hate it. I, I got real it. good at. it. <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> I, I believe that a hundred percent. Hey man. It fucking so I I watched the I watched for a while the the project mouthwash uh, actual plays uh, uh -huh. that the guys who did like Sword Art Abridged okay. and the guy who does Kirito in Sword Art Abridged was a he was a blood hunter or something uh, and every time he would like Mister Hide out he just starts screaming at people with a really thick Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> And like it's like unintelligible because of the way his voice sounds, and you're like, bro, I don't understand what you're saying. I love that so much. God damn it! Uh, I see. Okay. Anyways, Josh, what were you saying? Uh, so yeah, the next one I have jotted down here. Um, and, and this one. I don't have a this one's a little hard to uh, come up with a specific example for, but the idea of giving giving your enemies, giving your bad guys abilities that really push against and challenge the players abilities so that they can't always just rely on the same thing all the time, you know, so like. You know, the, the, the most basic and obvious example is, oh, giving the bad guy counter spell so the wizard can't just reliably use the same spells that they do over and over, like the same spells that they always use in every combat to win. You know what I mean? Like, that's the really basic example. Um, but anything that sort of forces it, like forces it so the players have to rethink what the like what the tactics of the scenario is you know like imagine uh, for example or another good example your paladin sam 
<laughs> who's uh, going around and divine smiting for 120 damage around or whatever. Hey, they run into an know. enemy who's immune to radiant damage. All of a sudden, your paladin goes, oh, wait. I, Oh, no. I have to rethink this scenario now. <laughs> it would have been even funnier if they healed from the radiant damage. Or they heal from, That's oh evil. God. They heal there are some from monsters that damage. do that where they take a certain damage type and you're like, yes. hmm, I don't like this at all. Yeah, the fucking, uh, the, the giant that we fought, the, the thing that the Josh called Talos heals when it takes fire damage. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna. I was in a game where they were like the final boss is like a giant evil phoenix, uh, and the 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 GM was like, "Okay, you can control a monster of this CR or lower," and it was that was in that within that CR range, which was just, like right on the cusp. And a part of me was like, "Do I do this? Do <laughs> I act like this much of an asshole? Do I throw a thing that heals from fire at the giant phoenix? Am I gonna am I gonna be that fucking guy?" I didn't, but I, I was ooh, I was fucking close. Let me tell you, uh, that's the opposite of what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's your players finding a very specific exploitable loophole and just pounding it into the dirt. Oh, no, for sure. It was just <laughs> I just sat there being but, like, do I do it? Yes, that, that would be it? funny. <laughs> um, and, you know, it also worth pointing out that the uh, challenging the player's abilities might not always be obvious. Uh, like another good one is particularly when when my players are fighting the ancient sapphire dragon sam's character who's a paladin didn't have any kind of ranged options so the dragon was constantly flying away teleporting away getting out of range so sam could not smite him so at a certain point sam started doing some pretty wild and shit to try and get the smites off on that dragon yeah. uh one of which including involved- to getting alley-oop tossed at it Yes, yeah. yes. Another one which involved dimension dooring onto the dragon's back. Uh, and mm-hmm. then also Get up on the Hydra's back. My favorite one was the way that kill- Sam killed the dragon was that because Ant's character is a, uh, a rune knight and he did the, the bigger rise ability. So Sam goes, all right, how tall is Kai? And I was like, uh, he's probably <laughs> like 10 feet tall or close to it. And he goes, can I climb onto his back? And I was like, yeah he goes cool how high is the dragon i was like uh like 60 feet up he's like from kai's back can i jump and then misty step onto the dragon i was like (laughs) yeah i think that would work (laughs) so sam left off the giant turtle man misty steps onto the dragon and then divine smited it in the face for the kill yeah and that kind of shit the only reason that kind of thing that even happened was because the dragon was outside mm-hmm. of range and Sam had no choice but to come up with a different strategy. Yep. So that's the kind of thing where I mean, that's that's what I mean when I say like sort of challenging your players or pushing against your players abilities, particularly if they have an ability that they use all the goddamn time. Right. Like if you're if your wizard is really fucking fireball happy suddenly you're fighting some afridi <laughs> you know what i mean and that's again oh, right. that's a really uh that's a really like simplistic example but you know it, it yeah. does the job <laughs> it's it's more interesting too when you think like of challenging a player like yeah what they do a lot or based on their strengths rather than their weaknesses sometimes you want to make an encounter you know but you know attacking the player's weaknesses but if it's constant it's gonna yeah. be frustrating it's gonna be annoying but if you challenge their strengths 
let's say the wizard who's constantly casting fireball and now they're fighting in a freedy and it's like well that's my whole shtick yeah ah. right yeah you're not you're not um yeah it's it's not dunking on their it's not like dunking on the area that they have a hard time with it's like taking away the old reliable and forcing you to think in different ways and it it is sometimes you're right you can sometimes target a particular weakness like oh the barbarian has a low int score let's throw some mind flares at him but yeah you can only do that so much until it just turns into bullying (laughs) yeah like you know what's what's interesting i sorry i don't mean to cut you off sam (laughs) no that's fine i thought about how to do this because i i was i was was deep diving into my Metal Gear lore, as you do, you uh, know, every, yeah. every few weeks. So just, yeah, yeah, I can yeah, reimburse yeah, myself yeah, with the, the, the monument. Metal Gear has lore? lore. Oh, buddy. Why does it say that? I'm sorry. Oh, buddy, does Metal Gear <laughs> have lore? It actually started with the Patriots. <laughs> I'm really wondering where this... All right, Isaiah, where are we going uh, on this train? I'm getting in, on for the ride. In Metal Gear Solid Five, uh-huh. the game will adjust its enemy patterns based on the way that you play. Okay. So if you get a lot of headshots... The enemies will start wearing helmets. Oh. If you use a lot of close quarter shotguns, they start using riot shields. If you use a lot of like stealth, like the only way to not get caught is to, sorry, the only way to not have them evolve is to knock them out and make sure that no one finds the body so they can't learn. Oh, So I like the idea of, of let's say you're like a, like a super cool special mercenary company fighting like the evil organization the or company, the kingdom or whatever say. the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's like, oh, well, the, the wizards are, are clapping cheeks. And then it's like, OK, well, every commander and that that you get jumped by is a mage slayer now. Uh, right. You know, oh, the, the, right. the rogue uses like their like the shadow monk will use his like sneaky sneak power. And then, you know, maybe the the like wizard that ambushes you in every fight. Oh, daylight, daylight to just blast the fucking area. Uh, or, you know, maybe maybe it's not that it always happens, but now there's always a chance that it's it always could a happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you'd like I'm not sure how I would find the uh the very delicate balance for that but it would be an interesting thing I'd like to explore. I mean something like that I think it works fine as long as it as long as you adhe- <laughs> as long as you adhere to the verisimilitude <laughs> I think it works fine in that in the sense that oh uh you know the bad guy you know <laughs> The, I was about to make the another black comparison, black company reference, but the you know the bad guy army keeps dealing. You know, you keep fighting them over and over again, and because of that, all of the survivors are bringing back information to the generals. The generals are then responding to the situation. So anytime you run into the bad guy army, you know that like, all right, they have information on us they're probably gonna fuck with our tactics i think as long as that sort of that air of verisimilitude uh holds up it's fine the spot where it becomes a dick move is the thing where it's like oh the wizard uses fireball all the time so all of the bad guy army like some of the elite generals start making fire resistant army uh, uh armor you're like okay and then you go off and fight some goblins in a cave and the f- goblins also conveniently have fire resistant armor at which point you go eh, wait a minute and then you go into another cave and conveniently you fight a red dragon and only red dragons in fact there are no other dragons red dragons are the only dragons that exist at which point the player yeah. goes all right wait hold on now 
It says here on the treasure map there's supposed to be three green dragons in this lair. Yeah. Um, just, just, yeah, they're it's, a reddish it's, a, green. it's a swamp cave. Yeah, they're reddish Two? green. They're reddish green swamp dragons. They're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> looks that picture hard. Yeah, <laughs> you do the <laughs> you do the Family Guy thing where you hold up the color swatch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Fucking Christ. But <laughs> God, it's like, yeah, you know, if you if if it makes sense for that specific kind of enemy to have a specific sort of information and ergo, they have like the sort of tactical like advantage or not even advantage, but like tactical defense. You're like, yeah, that checks out. But if the random kobolds in the random cave all happen to know that your your fucking wizard uses fireball and all devise a way to make themselves <laughs> like cover themselves in fire resistant like wa- liquids or some shit, it's like, all right, now you're just being an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they should do the opposite. Every kobold is covered in oil. Covered in, <laughs> they're all oh covered in cooking oil. Yeah, you just, just you walk into the kobold cave. They're in the middle of a pitch black cave, and like, what are you doing? It's like we're sunbathing. Like you. <laughs> you're what? Yeah, we're something. <laughs> They're all greased up. <laughs> yeah, you, your, your wizard's just like, you know what? I'm not dealing with this shit today. And just fucking fireballs. <laughs> fireballs of the entire cave lights up like a fireworks show. Yeah, but- <laughs> Everyone does. The party, the cobalt. Yep. Everyone. I, bro, I, this is, I keep doing these unrelated tangents. I, I've thought about a million different ways to have like sub uh, side quests in a fantasy 5e game. Uh-huh. It's just about kobolds being the biggest fucking idiots around. <laughs> I mean, that's just kobolds. Yeah, yeah, like, just, just, I, just, like I, one of my favorite ones is the, the Madagascar 2. All the chimps want to go on maternity leave. And then Skipper's <laughs> like, but you're all males. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, and? It's like, you don't, you obviously don't understand how this concept works. You know the, you know the reverse trap builder uh, dungeon that always happens? It's like a very funny what? thing where it's like, an engineer will build an entire like dungeon hallway filled with booby traps and, you know, pit traps and all this stuff, but they built it backwards. So from the end of the dungeon to the entrance. And so when the, your your your, your so players arrive, they're like, he's like, hey, so me, Cobalt, I built this entire elaborate, you know, protection system, security system for my home. Unfortunately, uh, I built it from the inside out and now I'm trapped and I can't get in my home. Could you please oh, you can't back, get back into his home? <laughs> hey, could, you, could you please go through my uh, my home oh and activate my all my booby traps so I can get back in? <laughs> That's not what I thought you meant initially. It's so good. <laughs> He's just standing outside the dungeon. He's like, yeah, I, I can't get back in my house. I made too many good traps. <laughs> oh, my God. They're not even tiny bees. They're just very large bees. Just like a hallway base, filled with size. giant wasps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you do for the environment, Hornets? I just like to hurt people. Oh. Oh. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. oh that's kind of fucked up. Damn. Yeah, and. It's like, I, uh, yeah, I do love the idea of, of, a, of a world where all every every side quest like kobolds are like nurse joy they're just fucking everywhere for some reason every side quest you ever potentially pick up is always from a kobold and it always no makes no how. goddamn sense i i really like the idea that the kobold 
but like it, it didn't intend for the problem to arise. It's just, yo, Cobalt just did some fucking thing. Yeah, Cobalt just did some shit. They just did some shit, and then it caused like I don't know a volcano to erupt, and they went, oh fuck, and they just ran away. Yeah, we wanted to see how many Cobalt can cast Fireball at the same time. Let me tell you, it's a lot. It doesn't go well. Like, oh, yeah, really? Is that what you figured out? Fantastic. And you just like even in places where it makes no sense to find Cobalt, you find more kobolds you're like how do you guys keep getting around and they're like don't worry about it i i don't know why that just reminded me of the three book kobolds in a trench coat in like a tundra it, scenario yeah. oh that's a nice <laughs> one there we met them they're so yeah, funny it's, it's like why are you here you are cold-blooded go home yeah, there's so many kobolds in the north it. i don't get it yeah where are you how do you all survive oh my god <laughs> How the fuck do you all live here? I don't know. You're all cold. <laughs> I just want to see a trail of fucking kobolds that go back miles. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, well, there was a lot of us before. There's like three left. Four, like, oh, four. no. <laughs> We're huddling for warmth. This coat is all we have that's keeping us from an untimely death. They just God, all dude. got themselves killed. Jesus Christ. I could see it. 10 out of 10. Uh... Fucking Christ, I love Cobalt. <laughs> they so are stupid. probably the best race in I just like to it's imagine so them like thinking like, ah, oh, yes, you know, everyone says south of the winter is warmer. Nah, nah, north. Cobalt's they got it all wrong. We gotta go north for warmth. <laughs> yeah, we, we gotta think about it. If we go north, north, nobody will be up there. We get the whole place to ourselves. Also, north means closer to the sun. <laughs> that's, how it works. <laughs> that's what it would be. That's the rationale. North means closer to the sun. <laughs> That's exactly oh, what the rationale would be. <laughs> and then they get up there and they just find a bunch of Goliaths and they're like, oh no, we've miscalculated. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> oh, fuck. I really want someone to run an all kobold campaign. All kobolds, only kobolds. Yeah. <laughs> everyone yeah. is kobolds. Even the NPCs, all kobolds. Yeah, everyone's the big kobolds. Bad of kobolds. Yeah, like the, the whole game is just, like you're, just kobolds. Yeah, you're just a, like a, a fucking cohort of kobolds trying to survive. <laughs> trying long? not to kill yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> How long's it been? 11 days. 11 days? Oh, no. <laughs> How old do kobolds usually live? 11 days. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. All I'm hearing is that the campaign can only last 11 days. Uh, yeah, 11 sessions. Yeah, yeah. You have to survive for 11 <laughs> That's sessions. That's all you get. And then the world just ends. Yeah, you just, just luck. Eat, you just die anyway. You get eaten by a dragon. Holy hey fuck. Hey guys, we made it to the end of the 11 session. What happens now? Heart attacks. All of you. <laughs> all the kobolds. <laughs> At the same time. And then they get fed to Thunder th Thumberchod. Yes. Oh my god, I, I, I want to put thund Thumberchod in a game so bad. Thumberchod, I always mm -hmm. forget how to say his name, doesn't matter, Fat Dragon. Here, apparently Wizards <laughs> of the Coast didn't boy. want him to be in the movie, but the director's like, no, we need Chungus. You, yeah, we absolutely, need why would they say no to that? Yeah, that, that right movie now. would be about at least 30% less like. Yeah, what the fuck, that was one of the best scenes. <laughs> Fucking Thumberchod sliding Rolling, down the, yeah. the mountain of skeletons. <laughs> That was an amazing scene. What the fuck? <laughs> oh my god! Fantastic. Uh, I thought it was so funny to looking up, uh, looking up that fucking dragon afterward, and then finding out that the him not being able to breathe fire all the time is because he's obese. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's like an actual canon thing is he has a hard time breathing fire because <laughs> he's too fat. Oh, it's just a, look, he's just a thick boy. OK, yeah, he is. He is indeed a thick lad. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Um, <laughs> Where is my brain at? Ah, OK. So we talked a little bit about the map stuff. We mentioned, you know, enemies having sort of off turn actions a la, you know, your sort of Dark Souls vibe. You have to respect what the bad guy is doing. We talked about enemies having abilities and powers that sort of uh, challenge and push against the player's strengths and maybe sometimes weaknesses. Uh, And also, side note, Matt, that's when you mentioned like, oh, the types of monsters matter. I was kind of thinking about that in relation to the challenging player abilities. You know, different mm, okay. monsters, different monsters yeah. challenging player abilities in different ways. Mm-hmm. But this is the real big one I wanted to hit on. And this is not a uh, this. You would be going outside the rules for the most part with this idea. Sort of. So. I had a thought that was spurred. Well, no. OK, let me backtrack. So I was watching a video from Dale's King Dale's. Dale Kingsmill forever ago. Not that long ago, like maybe a year ago. And she was talking about making a fight with a dragon in D&D more interesting. I was like, okay, I'm intrigued. What you got for me? And now what she said is she she said she said she goes, I don't think the dragon's breath weapon should have a recharge on it. And then she goes, pause. Let me cook. (laughs) Not literally, but she was like, bear with me here. And what she was basically saying is. Again, to use the Dark Souls comparison. A lot of games, like a lot of video games. uh, Monster Hunter does this um, uh, absolute fuckload. When you're being threatened by the monster. They do a huge telegraph that you have to respond to. And if you don't respond to the big telegraph, you get fucking dunked on. Right. So what she was saying is rather than the dragon having a, a recharge on their breath weapon, she's like, what if it's just the bra- the dragon telegraphs when they're going to use their breath weapon and then the players have to respond. So, a la, you know, so like, for example, the players are fighting the dragon. And then when the dragon's going to do their breath weapon their next turn, you see their whole throat starts to light up and glow with fire on the inside. And so, you know, as a player, okay, the dragon's about to use their breath weapon. So I either have to tank it and not give a shit and just keep hitting the dragon. Or I have to try and like get to cover or maybe I could try and throw out a spell to like, you know, clamp his mouth shut and stop him or something like that. You fucking, you know, Bigby's hand to hold the dragon's mouth shut, <laughs> you know, mm. like the idea. And like, again, I say Dark Souls, right? Because a big thing with Dark Souls is how how do you dodge the ability? Well, because the enemy almost always does a big, crazy telegraph before they start swinging at you. And I got to think I was like. Having enemies telegraph their really deadly attacks I think could be a really cool way to add a lot of like tension and really spice up the sort of tactical side of combat in tabletop you know like 
the dragon is going to charge up their breath weapon at the end of their turn. So, you know, once it gets back around to his turn, we're all getting hit with the fire. So either we have to ignore it and accept the damage or we have to do something about it. And I think particularly another thing that you got to do is if you're going to have these because it's not a video game and things aren't moving in real time, you know, you have to sort of adjust the strategy a little bit. So if you have enemies telegraph the big attack, you also probably want it to be way more deadly than normal, you know? So it's like, oh, dragon's going to breath weapon us. Uh, and, you know, normally it's 10 D6, but uh, now it's 20 D6 or something like that. You know what I mean? Like you want to make it way more deadly because the telegraphing part means that generally, you know, players are going to try and avoid it. But if they don't, you know, you give them the fucking bully beatdown. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I I would ag- I agree with the the you should ma- you could be able to make it more deadly. The thing that I would need to see from it as well is I I would want more codified ways to deal with it. So you brought up like the whole like use Bigby's hand to keep its mouth shut. I would I feel like I would want stuff to go with that to sort of reinforce the fiction. You know. Uh. Yeah, well, so that's why I said you'd be kind of operating it like if you were doing it in a current, you know, if you were making your own game, obviously different story. But yes, if you were doing it in in your current game, you would have to operate in in the nebulous zone in terms of the rules a little bit to allow for these kind of response. Because you're you're right, your players have to have have multiple avenues of response because because this is really the thing, right? The thing that tends to make any kind of tabletop game with an emphasis on like a tactical style of combat, what tends to make the game boring and what, what you'll notice we've been with every point I've hit here is a way to break up this problem is things getting monotonous and doing the same thing over and over. So if you don't give your players multiple avenues to deal with the telegraphed attack, then what they're going to do is just deal with it the same way over and over and over again and then it goes from being interesting to back to being boring and you're back at square one because they're just doing the same thing over and over again. And that's really the thing we're trying to avoid, right? We're trying to avoid you just doing A to B to C every single turn. So, yes, you would you definitely have to sort of. You could I, I, I suppose if you wanted, you could take the time to write down multiple different rules about how you could handle it but i think probably for me my plant my strat would basically be you know inform the players like this is how this is gonna work and then tell them you know any kind of potential crazy idea you might have to try and circumnavigate the problem i am open to and we just you just kind of do the back and forth a little bit Mm. because i i I don't see a way to eat like it's it's doable, I'm sure, but I don't see an uh, uh, I don't see an easy stress free way of really codifying that sort of thing, you know, so I think just doing it kind of on a case by case would be the best way. It is definitely one of those situations where there are just too many options. Yeah, there's a lot of actually properly codified. It's like it's the reason why those things don't work in video games is because you would have to 
design a scenario so many hypotheticals every hypothetical possible and then if you don't do that and a player goes well why can't i do this a lot of the time they get frustrated because you're like oh why can't i stop the attack by doing this that's where like that's the strength of tabletop (laughs) yeah i was gonna say that the the ability to make case-by-case basis and go oh okay this is how this works because you know i as much as i love playing video games there are definitely times where i'm like well why, why can't I do this? this? Yeah. Why doesn't this work? Why doesn't that work? And it's because, well, the, they didn't make the game with that intention. Yeah, they didn't because, code that in with yeah, that in mind. Um, like one of the instances that, that especially frustrates people in general is like when you're playing any kind of game and you see a knee-high fence and yes. you your character goes, I oh, can't go over that. God. Yeah, I, this, this yeah. isn't something I can do. Fence too tall, fence, too fucking fence, high. Fence, fence too ha- tall, fence too strong. Can't can't jump. Yeah, me no he, jump. Hey, me me no jump. Right. I have bad knees. There. I can't jump. Mm. <laughs> Video game. Kratos has bad knees. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, now so I just like, reminded of the firewall in the Conan exit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looks pretty dangerous, but I don't know, guys. Let's try it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, what's the worst that could happen? We try to walk. Guys, that was awful. All my items. Oof. <laughs> the fact that the kill plane goes even further beyond yep. the ground is very funny. All the way yeah. down and all the way up. Yeah, it goes fucking <laughs> far. You, would you guys uh, do you guys are you more mad of the fence or are you more mad of the firewall like which would you rather have it, it, like if they could like all video games oh if i have to choose one or the other no yeah. give me the fence okay give me the fence <laughs> because if i get to the fence and i can't move past it i go all right i'm satisfied no, now. It's, it's just kind of a thing that exists now yeah, yeah. Mm, if i move like up to the firewall so and i look at it and go there's a chance maybe <laughs> I, I, so, so that I, it's I too I, ambiguous. I do, I do have to say that the idea of someone going, you know, that firewall looks pretty dangerous, but I bet I could survive. That. Yeah, it's just, well, it's, like, it's just so funny. Like, does it insta kill me or does it just damage me? That's the question. No, no, that's exactly the question, Matt. Does it insta kill me or does it damage me over time? I have to find out. That's the question. Is absolutely you throw your shit to the ground and then run through instead yes. of fucking walking through with all of your <laughs> No, because shit. I remember specifically when we were playing Conan, that was exactly the thought I had where I, was, I looked at it and I was like, can I move past it? I'm not sure. It was, it was, it was really funny being AFK from the chat and seeing it all go down, yeah. though. <laughs> Me being like, oh, that's a kill play. Yep. Walks through. You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> no, no, I should not have. Um... The, the the idea I was kind of thinking of is like when you're playing a game like Yakuza and you get into a fight and it's like, oh, oh yeah, God. you can pick up the bike and hit somebody with it, but I can't pick up this like food sign. You're like, why not? Yeah. It's like, uh, they just didn't think about it. <laughs> didn't think about it and didn't want that item to be destructible. Yeah. Like it's not it's so at least with the newer Yakuza games, you know, all of the items that you as a player can interact with in a fight are like they have physics attached to them yeah. in the overworld. So like that makes more sense because you're like, oh, they didn't want to throw all of this. Like they didn't want to do that with all this. the art design. I they didn't it, want to just throw it. out the window by you yeah, running yeah, through yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, like that, that makes sense. Uh, God, well, I, I think the, the worst thing with Yakuza is like, oh man, that I, I just shot that man several times in the chest. He is fucking dead. And then he just Gets walks up, away. He's like, I'm good, bro. And, and you're like, oh, okay. What? Um, well, all right. There is no suspension of disbelief. Yeah, you're just one. standing there like ah, I don't know about this one. But I, 
I killed that man. I cut that man in half. I shot that man repeatedly. I just gave that man many concussions. <laughs> Slams head in door frame. I, I think like, he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the So, uh, in relation <laughs> to the dragon thing, I will say, I do think saying that the dragon, the, the dragon doesn't have any breath weapon recharge, I'm like... I think that's a little too far, but I do think the idea of giving them a higher chance. So like instead of a five and a six, making it a four, five and a six or a three, four, five and a six, you know, giving them a higher chance to recharge their breath weapon. But every time they use it, they're going to telegraph the attack. I think that could totally be done. You could also treat it like a, you know, pseudo legendary action layer action where it's like, all right, on initiative count 20. It starts to show it that, hey guys, it's, yeah. yeah, it starts, this neck is glowing, mm-hmm. it's uh-huh. is inhaling, and then on initiative count 10, it breathes the fire, the, or whatever. And and also... The telegraphs it, or like initiative 20, and you have 10 right, right. returns to, you know... Yeah, you have, yeah, you until, until initiative 10, yeah, so it's like a layer yeah, action yeah. almost. Yeah, you could do that too. Yeah, it's like, because I think... The reason I think this could be a potentially, like, really cool idea that with, like, lots of... Uh, lots of like and the, the reason I think that this, this could really spice things up is because you can do I, I've said this before where you can do really like wacky woohoo shit in a game as long as your players have the information to be able to respond to it you know what I mean like the reason something like a potion of death in older editions is shitty is because there's absolutely zero way for you to have any fucking clue whether it is or is not a potion of like there's nothing there's no amount of information you could potentially get to clue you in you can't hedge your bets in any way right whereas if like when you pick up the potion if the player says i look at the potion and then the gm says you notice that the bottom of the potion is slightly discolored the player goes okay that's that's weird and then now the player at least has a little bit of information to go this could potentially be bad whereas if they just pick up the potion and it looks like a normal potion then they drink it and then you say cool make a death save and they go what you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) and i literally watched that happen in actual play by the way wasn't there wasn't there that green text meme where it's like player it's like all right i grabbed the potion the deadly potion off the wall and i drink it dm how do you know it's deadly poison Oh, you're right. I drink it anyways. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, make me a death save. <laughs> Just like, uh, <laughs> I have not seen that green text, but I would believe that. Yes. Pretty great. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's the thing where it's like, yeah, you can have really crazy monster like abilities and powers as long as the players, as long as there's some kind of information, you know, like for example, uh, a big thing. D- I was trying to think about if any games I knew had this idea of like telegraphing attacks in the way that video games do. Like, <laughs> I mean, you want to you want a king. You want the king of this example. Go play Monster Hunter. Like this is the mm-hmm. entire premise of Monster Hunter is the big telegraphing attacks and what you have to do in response. Um, and what I realized is it's not exactly the same, but everyone take a shot dungeon world kind of has a thing like this oh my god he did it i did the thing um 
because Dungeon World, uh, you know, uh, and I think this move is is in a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse games, as far as I'm aware. But there's a move that that the GM does called announce future badness. Uh, At least that's how Dungeon World phrases. I forget how Apocalypse World phrases it, but it's a similar idea. And it's the idea of like. Let the players know bad shit's about to happen and then give them time to respond, you know, because in a video game, you have visual cues, but in a tabletop game, you don't. So you need to indicate to the player somehow. So like a great example, an example of announcing future badness would be the ranger player walks out into a small clearing, you know, in the forest. And then the GM says, Hey, ranger player, uh, you hear a noise uh, a little uh, up above you, and you look up and you see the glint of something shiny coming from uh, from the trees. What do you do? And the ranger player goes, "Oh fuck, that's probably someone about to shoot my ass with an arrow." Uh, I dive into the nearest bush, and then you then you know make a roll or whatever. You succeed, and the GM goes, "Cool, you dive into the nearest bush, and an arrow f- flies past and hits the ground right where you're standing, and you hear the cackling of goblins." You know, and it's like. If that player had stood there, the GM would be entirely in their right to just fill the fucking ranger player with arrows. Like, you know, maybe th- maybe there was like four or five goblins up in the trees and they just riddle your ass like a pincushion because you told the player you gave them the warning and they chose to ignore it or not do anything about it. And it's kind of it's the same. And I think I th- I feel like this is a doable. Th- like, I don't feel like this is so out there that it would be hard to do in D&D. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's I think it's totally a possible like it's a, a reasonable thing to uh, like execute on. Am I I don't know. Am I am I am I not thinking no, of something think, maybe? No, I mean, I think if you give your players fair warning and you, you sort of. Uh, from the get. Oh, no, I'm yawning. Oh, no, sorry. If you from the get go say like, you know, uh, you will be rewarded for quick thinking and. uh potentially punished if you uh, freeze up or you aren't paying attention and then you you enact the thing that you say you're going to do yeah I think you're, you're chill yeah it's that it's that that yeah it's also an expectation thing too right uh, a game like Dungeon World sets up that expectation by having the existence of that move right the fact that that gm move exists sets up the expectation that like oh okay this is a thing that will happen um so yeah it in a game that doesn't explicitly say it you'll have to say a little bit more up front i do think it's also worth pointing out i just kind of this just popped in my head now you also don't necessarily want to do it all the time right uh yeah for sure which I think is true of a lot of things, right? Doing some, doing pretty much anything too much gets monotonous. But you know, if you imagine, if we take the Dark Souls comparison, if you imagine that every single enemy you ever run into has giant fuck off, crazy big telegraphed attacks that you have to dodge or block in some fashion, like every single enemy you ever meet, right? Or what was a uh? The, the the turtle warriors in Dark Souls 2? Those dudes? Oh yeah, yeah. With the, the big mallets. Knights, yeah. yeah. If if every single enemy was like the turtle knights, where you basically had to wait for them to finish their big swing fuck you bullshit because of how thick and 
how much poise those dudes had. If any, every enemy worked like that, it would be awful, right? Like at a certain point, you'd be like, this mm-hmm. is no, this is annoying. I'm just having a bad time. Yeah, right. <laughs> It'd be a bad time. But if you if you can if you know what enemies do or don't do that, then you go, OK, I know when I do or don't need to think about this particular problem. A great and, and Dark Souls does a particularly good uh, job of this or Soulsborne in general, where if there's an enemy that you're going to have to respond in such a fashion where you sort of need to deal with their big attacks and you can't just sort of like attack your way through them. Generally something about the enemy's visual design will tell you that, right? You walk up to the turtle knights in dark souls two, They're fucking massive. They're covered entirely in armor and they have a f- huge fuck off mace. And you look at those guys and you go, I probably can't just go swing, swing and kill that. I, 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 I probably am going to have to deal with that whole big fuck off mace situation, you know? Uh, yeah. And I think a good one, I think that the turnouts are even more successful than you say, because they have a big shell. You go, Oh, I probably can't backstab them because oh, they have true, a big yes. ass shell. And then you can't actually backstab. You, them. you cannot backstab them. That's true. I actually, I forgot about the big shell. Uh, now that particular part of it, is a is a little trickier in D or any sort of tabletop scenario because it's not you you know you're gonna have to because you don't have a hundred percent clear as clear of visuals design wise mm-hmm. you'll have to sort of describe or explain or or you'll have to take a different tact which i don't even know and that would definitely will be harder and there will be certain times where it's like oh like for example the troll in 5e has a, like an optional p- ability where if you do a certain amount of damage to them and then you can like roll a die to see if you like cut an arm off or something and then the arm is sentient because it's a troll and the arm can like attack you as a separate creature. I don't really know how you would like in- indicate that to a player. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing about them visually that would tell you that it's like kind of an old mythology thing. So there's that part, but you know, it, it's a little trickier. Yeah, for the for the troll, you'd have to. Uh, I'm I'm a big uh uh, not aggregate. What's the word? Uh, advocate. Advocate. God, <laughs> dude, I'm 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 struggling. Brain no worky. <laughs> Understand. I'm a big advocate for uh, uh setting the scene before the fight. There there are definitely times right, where yeah. you just drop the bat your your party into a fight and don't give them a chance to think about it. Just be like, it's happening now. Um, but at other times, like. The big monster fights always good for set dressing. If you show like, oh, uh, you know, this troll is fighting uh, a, like a salamander, and the salamander rips the—that's uh, fire, maybe doesn't work, but yeah, like you know, <laughs> fucking whatever. The great render rips the the troll's arm off, and then like the clawed hand comes up and starts choking the fucking puts the great render in the <laughs> rear naked choke, <laughs> and then he just starts fucking two time in the fucking great render with himself, and you're like, oh no, wombo combo, like. <laughs> your players will go oh i yeah. see yeah 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 you can you can indicate it via shit that's occurring yeah something weird happens or whatever or um i mean or, they could be like stumbling onto its lair and then troll just like is in the middle of reattaching its arm yeah yeah that's, that's just true. like huh yeah it's like, totally it's, it's it's definitely doable yeah you just need to plan ahead a little bit more you know some yeah. of them are easy right like the dragon breath one if your players see the dragon's throat start to glow, 
I, pretty much everyone's going to be like, oh, that's a fire breath. <laughs> right? Same like, thing with like a mind flare, like mind blast. You could just indicate their their brain their is starting to glow Their brain glows and their tentacles start to wisp, like float up in the air. Yeah. 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 And you're like, oh, shit. You see, you see like weird, invisible sonic lines around their head. And you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. And another thing, too, is because um, I know, uh, Matt, you, you mentioned this forever ago i don't even remember what context you were talking about this in but you mentioned how um in your game your players pick up on your on like the fact that you have kind of like a coded vocabulary to tell them certain things yeah and this would be kind of a similar thing where if you have enemies do these big telegraph abilities if you do that early on in the campaign and you do that consistently at a certain point it doesn't really matter what you describe. If you describe the monster doing something weird at the end of the turn, instinctively, your players are going to go, oh, he's about to hit us with something. We have to respond. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because they'll have learned over time, like, oh, that's something we have to pay attention to. The first time you do it, they go, that's weird. The second time they go, okay, maybe that's the thing. The third time they go, oh, this is a trend, (laughs) right? Uh, You sort of, you build up that, that like, uh, sort of lexicon of of style of play i don't know yeah lexicon of gameplay um yeah i guess that's yeah i guess that's the way i would phrase it (laughs) sam Mm. you have do you have any thoughts to add on that on the whole thing really huh I, no, I've just been kind of patiently listening because I, I, my, my brain is kind of melted. I'm gonna be honest. I have a long day. Ugh. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, are you? Do you generally agree with the the concept? You, you a yay or nay on it? Yes. Yes. Tentatively. <laughs> tentatively. Yes. Why tentatively? Uh, I'm I'm gone. I'm <laughs> I, 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 listen, I I remember smoothie. here. Yeah, no, it's real smooth. I I remember uh, coming it like brain tuning out and around. Um, uh, talking about how you would uh, basically advertise to your players that something is like different yeah. about an encounter. So like I, that that's what I'm going off. Okay, yeah, <laughs> unless I mean, something else has happened. No, no, yeah, that's uh, I'm, yeah. I'm talking about the sort of the the monster okay. hunter thing, the 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 big telegraph to advertise big problem. Mm, the okay. Rathalos right, flies right. up. I, I would. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't gone for that long. No, no, thank no. God. No, no, uh, no. Yeah, you got the gist. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. 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 I. I. I okay. So, yes, uh, I do think telegraphs are good. Um, I, I do think that they have to be handled carefully, though, because like I, I literally when we started talking about this, the reason why I was so quiet was I was just thinking about the different ways that you could handle um, specifically like how it's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like you could say, you know, at the top of the round, they start to telegraph and at the end of the round, they do it or yeah. the beginning of their turn. And then at the end of the round, and I was like, well, if it's at the end of the round, their their turn starts, you know, later, some players are just fucked because big old middle figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't do that. You know, it, it's it, I was just thinking more about balance. Definitely. Then, yeah. For that particular, my train of thought was definitely that it, it probably most of the time it would work as a enemy does indicator at the end of their round does the ability at the mm-hmm. start of their next or end of their turn does the ability at the start of their next turn i think mm-hmm. that's generally yeah, I think where that's my probably thought the was. best i think that's probably one of the best ways to do it unless you do it at the top of the round or the end of the round 
Yeah, yeah, um, to make sure everyone we, has gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just a way to make sure that everybody else has a turn. Right, right. Everyone has to have a response. Yeah, you can't uh, no. you can't do the thing where the enemy does something and two players get to respond and then the other two just get to get fucked. Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I mean it. And and also a great something that's always great about home doing homebrew shit in your own games mm-hmm. is you don't need to worry if it works for anyone else. It only needs to work for your table. <laughs> Yep. So you could just do that shit on the fly. True. Mm-hmm. I think that that is a a like uh, a a fading real uh, observation nowadays, where it's like shit only needs to work for your table. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know we we've had this talk a lot where it's like someone's like, oh, that, that's not going to work. And it's like it worked for me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I I think a lot of people are just go, well, it didn't work for me, so it can't work. It's impossible. It's like let's yeah. That's just not, not true. true. Like. <laughs> Maybe you I, didn't like use it in the right context, or maybe that you know y- your specific players are are not conducive to that. But to say like it, it'll never work, it's like nah, I don't know about that. But I think that mentality or that habit that a lot of people are in has um has kind of come come about because of the internet, because we're all able to mm-hmm. intercommunicate so quickly. Like you can have a bad session, post it on Reddit get a response from someone else in five to ten minutes right so it's like because you're able to like easily intercommunicate and everything so quickly and you're able to like absorb or throw out information so fast you get in this situation where somebody goes oh uh yeah that thing you're talking about i tried it doesn't work you know and like it and it's just it's just so easy to do and say that like you you sort of ignore all the other potential possibilities and also because of the because of the way people talk about tabletop in general these days and because there's so much more discussion again because of the internet (laughs) um it ends up you end up in this kind of funny scenario where everybody's trying to homogenize how they play the game because if you homogenize how you play the game, then it becomes easier to have the discussion with each other because we're all sort of on the same page. But in actuality, that's not reasonable or doable. It's just like a weird instinct. I think a lot of people have, or like a subconscious desire, you know, because it's true where something you'd be like, Oh, this thing didn't work for my table. And then someone could respond. Well, my players don't give a shit about that aspect of the game, so it worked fine for me, you know, because that's a big part of it. There'll be a lot of games where it's like, oh, this spell is really overpowered because of X, Y, and Z situation. And then someone else responds it's like, well, nobody used or give a shit, gave a shit about that spell at my table. So it was actually kind of worthless, <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's, there's that it's I had a few situations where. uh like specifically playing in Cardell's game, like you know, most of us were casters, but very few of us use counterspell. And even then, like we didn't use like even when there was enemy casters, we didn't really use counterspell that often. If it was like a oh you know he's gonna fucking uh, finger of death, it's like yeah no not doing that one, but fuck you. But like if he's gonna just like hit you with a fireball, I'm like ah I got a ring motivation. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah yeah. Yeah, certain yeah, certain things 
take priority. It's kind of it's kind of like how in competitive games. All right, everybody take another shot. Josh is bringing up fighting games. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's a really common problem in fighting games where the grappler archetype will absolutely destroy noobs like new players mm. Zangi- your Zangiefs your Potemkins your Hugos your Android 16s will absolutely dunk nerds into the ground because they're new players right when in actuality most of the time not always but often grappler characters are like mid tier at best and when you get into the higher levels nobody cares about the grappler character like no but no pro guilty gear player is afraid of potemkin like they all know what they got to do they might be afraid in a couple of specific scenarios but overall they know what the strat is and the reason for that is because your priorities and what you're focusing on and what you're doing and what you're learning as a new player are different than when you're a more experienced player you know you're learning and focusing on different things So when you're a new player, the ridiculous things that you'll focus on will be like big damage, how much health, big long combo. And so you run up into the they run into the grappler character and you see that the grappler character could just absolutely shit out damage like nobody's business with with relative ease. And you go, this is ridiculous. This character's OP as fuck. And it's like, well, no, it's not OP as fuck. It's just you don't actually you don't know what your response is or you're not focusing on how to deal with it yet because you haven't gotten to that point and it's a very similar thing where certain certain tables certain abilities or certain you know certain D is infamous for this where certain spells people will go oh this spell's really overpowered and then someone else goes no it's not that spell's trash what are you talking about and it's because whatever kind of game they were playing in the one play in player A's game, that spell was amazing and exactly what they needed all the time. And then in players B's game, the spell was fucking useless. You know, player A is playing a political intrigue fucking Game of Thrones game. So Zone of Truth is amazing. Player B is playing a dungeon fuck fest and Zone of Truth is the most useless piece of spell slot you've ever seen in your life. Mm. You know? So it's it's yeah, it's t- totally like it's yeah it's totally the thing where some things work at your table that don't work at other tables and you just gotta kind of figure that shit out um and you know i'm sure there and some things are gonna be more universal than others just you know just because that's how it be basically like pretty much everyone agrees like yeah eldritch blast good pick you know shit like that like certain things are going to be more universal than others but yeah, definitely player uh, or table variability is a big factor with any kind of a- anything along these lines, spicing up combat, spicing up your fucking like your story, like anything. You got to take that shit into account. I mean, shit, if you're playing, you know, if you're doing entirely a theater of the mind game, different priorities on what makes a fight interesting. Although I do still think the, the the big telelegraphing attack thing works perfectly well in the theater of mine style game. As yeah, a, I mean, I, I think you could argue very easily that it works better there because players are already thinking about how to do things sort of ad hoc. True. 
True. Uh, you hear, kind of in oh, the... it charges mm-hmm. up, it's fire breath. They're like, oh, 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 okay. Versus someone who's really grid-based and it's like, well, I don't have an ability to do anything, so I can't do anything about this. And it's like, well, no, 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 you can. You can, yeah. you can do it. That's funny. I didn't even think about that, but yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, surprisingly, <laughs> I got through all my points relatively quick this time. I don't know. Wow. I don't know why. Anybody have any anything they want to add on the on the tail end there? Uh, let me think. Let me th- I like uh, pretty maps. Yes, pretty maps. <laughs> uh, well, Except actually, for those fucking map. AI generated maps. Get that shit out of here. Oh, yeah. no, they started doing that. Of course. There's nothing sacred. No, no. That's true. <laughs> God damn it. I'm sorry. I just, I was thinking like, no, guys, but you know what is sacred? Gundam. <laughs> Gundam. I fucking love Gundam. Oh, uh, yeah, no. I fucking love Gundam. <laughs> no, I, I actually, I, I was thinking about this while we were talking about the maps thing way back in the beginning. I just didn't, I couldn't find a good way to segue into it. Uh-huh. An interesting way to do uh, uh, terrain in Roll Twenty maps is actually to fuck with walls, right? Like to do the 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 dynamic lighting walls, but just make sure there's lighting everywhere. So, like, if you draw, for example, uh, a like a thin little river pass with big walls, you can put the the dynamic lighting walls around it. So the players can't just fucking shoot themselves around, you know. You are literally funneling them into a place, so they'll they'll sort of see that and have to think about it differently. Oh, you mean because you like physically can't move the token beyond the walls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that goes into the yeah, that's in the realm of like that's that's a situation where the the, the map terrain situation is actually forcing some kind of tactic because you have no other uh, choice. Yeah, I think that'd be fucking sick. Actually, I might try that real shit. <laughs> real Players, talk, real talk. Get ready. <laughs> I'm coming for uh, Matt said pretty maps. Sam, you got anything Anything you want to throw on? Uh, make anything uh, to do with the terrain interesting. Please don't don't like to, ter- ter- terrain can be very useful. You know, like funneling characters into a spot. Most character, most players will go, oh, that's that's rough terrain. I ain't touching that shit. <laughs> yeah, true. True. Yeah. Rough terrain. Suddenly like, you mean lava and you're like, well, no, that's not what yeah. I said, but I guess. Yeah. Just, just, you know, just do things with your, your terrain to like kind of get people to go into places or be like, okay, well, I can reach this person, but I'm going to have to go through the rough terrain. I'm going to have to sprint because this is the only way to get to them at all. You know, just do things like that. Oh. Uh, split, not, not, Okay, all right. When I say this, I do not mean like, you know, in a dungeon, split your party. But like, if you can get the party to split in a combat zone, you can just oh, like move away from too. each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, th- I brought this up. Don't just turtle. Fucking 12 ever yeah. ago. But when they fought the like Wendigo thing in the basement area that I've, I had them running through, he mm-hmm. used Wall of Thorns to just completely split them in half. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, that's an effective way to ruin the uh, the rotation. Yes, yeah, it ruins buddy. the yeah ruins the team <laughs> rotation. Mm. Also, I'm not sorry. Uh, this this sort this falls under the terrain thing for the most part in my mind. But also, uh, use verticality. Mm? Yes, yeah. I feel like we we get a lot of you know a lot of people get very in the like map is flat. So fight is flat, but use verticality. And I don't just mean enemies that can fly. Uh, we're also talking like balconies ledges 
and yep. ladders. Put those fucking archers up on a ledge. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. it. Stairs. Like I remember really early on in our campaign, my players got jumped in like on like a city street and there was a bunch of goblins shooting down from second floor windows at them. So they had to run up into the buildings to get at them. You know, like mm-hmm. verticality. That's, uh, you know, uh, an unsung hero, if you were or, or maybe maybe a forgotten hero. Yeah, right. definitely work. Oh, show. For real, for real. Just like me. For real, for real. For real, for real on God. <laughs> for real, for, for play, play. For, for real, for real on God. No cap. I think that's what the kids say these days. I, uh, the kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Hmm? I'm not I'm a child. Not going to. Oh, wait, yeah, hold on. These eponymous kids. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so poggers, Josh. Yeah. I don't think I don't think the kids say poggers anymore. <laughs> Dude, no. I had some kids. I I told you, but this is how I hate. I hate like every time I switch jobs. I, I was waiting like, for you to say slang. this is why I hate children. No, no, no. <laughs> so like, wait. So back, you know, you know, the early 2010s. Uh-huh. Like I was working at a store. I heard these two kids. They're talking about this game console or whatever, and they're like, "Oh man, that's so swag!" And then my entire body cringed. Last <laughs> week I had the same exact experience. I'm like stocking a shelf. All of a sudden, these two kids going up to a game console like. Yo, man, all oh, the new Zelda's coming out. That's so poggers. And I just felt the whole body cringe. It was like, ah, again. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> it's funny that they said swag. I feel like that's kind of an old one at this point. Well, that, guess, well, that was years ago. That's what I'm saying. Like back in the early, like 2010s. Oh, that oh, happened oh, to me. Okay. okay. That yeah, checks yeah. out more. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's what I'm that would definitely make me fucking go inside out with cringe. Big swag, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> YOLO swaggins, baby. That's an old (laughs) meme. Uh, All right. All right. Well, this has been the clown fest a la Mm. the canceled of the session. I forgot to do this at the beginning again because I'm good at this. We always do. Uh, I, I, some, you know, I, I, it's like a 50 50 if we remember or not. Uh, Give me, give me the follow or the subscribe on the platform, the podcast platform of your choice. Please leave a comment or a review. Either are acceptable. Spotify has comments now, so you can do it there too. And leave a follow on the twat, the twatters, the angry bluebird app. Buzzinga. Mm. Buzzinga. (laughs) Bye, bitches. Deuces.